All right, all right, all right. <clears throat> Let's get fired up here. In the early days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. Maximum freedom. Read. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Read Rothbard. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast and Call the Zoo. We're turning your episode counter to 69. Ha 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 ha. And we're going to do Billy Madison as a result of that. Uh, so this episode can be found at actualanarchy.com slash 69. And Robert and I were doing a little bit of pre-show uh, pitter-patter, chitter-chatter, uh, talking about, you know, what are we actually going to do on this show? And I had kind of sold this to him as a, uh, a movie that has some economics and some other interesting things in it. And I kind of am now doubting myself in that respect. So uh, I'm going to say hello to Robert in just a moment here. And uh, again, you can find this at actualanarchy.com slash 69, the episode on Billy Madison. Are you there, Robert? Hey, everybody. It's me. I'm back. We're doing it. Yeah, you're a quick one, Butler. So this is a movie that's mostly just uh, a collection of quotes and random scenes, I think. And it just so happened to be a movie that coincided with my um, late adolescence, early adulthood. And so a lot of the lines stuck with me and ended up being uh, reconstituted multiples of times over. And it almost became a, uh, a type of speech or a dialect even, almost a language unto itself. Uh, your comments before we get into our last nighter's portion of the show. Yeah, this movie, for me, it didn't have the same impact that it did for you and some other of my friends. So when you or any number of other people would quote this movie, ad nauseum, might I add, ad nauseum, I didn't really, I mean, I knew they were movie quotes, and I, I, I'm probably sure I knew the movie, but it never, that movie didn't ever have the impact that it had on you guys that it did on me, so, or vice versa. So I never really participated in the, the dialogue that you guys had with you. I mean, I, I took, as I, as I was watching the movie, I wrote down each time I heard a line that I had heard probably a thousand times in my sounds, lifetime. Sounds like a drinking game already. Yes, you could absolutely watch this movie as a drinking game and get totally wasted. If you've heard the line more than at least a hundred times in the past, 
take a drink, and you'll be getting pretty sloshed. So we'll go through those notes, and we'll see if those notes line up with your memories during the show. All right, that sounds good. Well, uh, if anyone wants to hear some of that pre-show content, you can support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash readrothbart or readrothbart.com slash Patreon or actualanarchy.com slash Patreon. All three places go, well, all three URLs go to the exact same place. They're all redirects, so they're just easy to say and remember. So feel free to um, check that out, see what the bonuses are, and you can get some of our other spectacular content that is too hot for YouTube, too hot for TV, too hot for the normal portion of the show, which we're about to dive into, The Last Nighters. So here we go. Hey, what day is it? October? October. October. Hey, we're the Last Nighters, Daniel and Robert, and we're going to talk about one of uh, my favorite movies and one of Robert's, well, he doesn't quite get why I like this movie, uh, but it's Billy Madison, and it's um, got just tons of quotes, Nudie Magazine Day, Old Man Clemens, he called the shit poop and all that stuff. So this is episode 12 of the show, so that can be found at lastnighters.com slash 12. So, Robert, you want to say a few words before we dive into the Google description? Uh, just a few words. Yeah, this movie... Uh, wasn't quite the cultural touchstone moment movie for me that it was for my co-host. And so we'll just see if we can, um, that leads to a bit of uh, differences in our uh, rating and our analysis here. We'll see. I think that makes um, better show content for, for our listeners if we don't totally agree. I think that's helpful. So Agreed. Here, we, here we go. Billy Madison, 1995 comedy, hour and a half. And it got 6.4 on the IMDb, 46% Rotten Tomatoes, and 16% Shithouse in the Metacritic. That's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, 89% of Google users like it, though. And here's the description. Man-child Billy Madison, played by Adam Sandler, has been a spoiled rich kid all of his life. And he spends his days drinking and partying. When his father, hotel magnate Brian Madison, becomes fed up with his son's irresponsible ways, he issues an ultimatum. Since Billy passed all his schooling thanks to his father's influence and bribes, he must retake and pass every grade in 24 weeks. Otherwise, the business will be turned over to Brian's conniving associate, Eric, played by Bradley Whitford. Uh, directed by Tamara Davis, uh, got uh, $26.4 million at the box office on a $10 million budget. So not like, you know, super amazing uh, blockbuster-type material here, but it, it made a tidy sum back uh, based on how much they spent into it. Uh, your comments on the Google description, Robert? No, that's, that's how the movie goes. It's a really basic plot. And it really kind of has the feel of, hey, let's just have a bare-bones idea of what this movie's going to be about, and then we'll just kind of let Adam Sandler be Adam Sandler on camera. I can't imagine they scripted a whole lot of his lines, probably some of them. But Adam Sandler, you know, rose to fame through SNL when he did, like, what the, like, the, the romantic guitar guy. I don't know. He, he had a couple different weird characters on SNL. They're pretty funny. Um, and then, yeah, kind of launched his film career where he made movies more for just his kind of adolescent male fan base and not so much for the wider viewing, viewing audience. Not that he's like the worst actor in the world, but especially these early Sandler movies were more just kind of made for kind of crude, dumb humor. Um, not that there's not a market for that. Obviously, there's a market for that. Uh, so kudos to him for finding it. Yeah, I think he, he did a fine job with the transition into dumb movies. Um, and, 
you know, this isn't like one of his um, very first movies. I think his first movie was Overboard or something like that, or some cruise movie, like Cruise Ship. And I have never seen it, no desire to. But this came out, and then shortly after, um, Happy Gilmore came out. And I think they're his, like, his legacy movies, you know. He's done some other decent ones since, but also some real terrible ones. <laughs> Don't mess yeah, with his, Gohan. <laughs> yeah, his earlier stuff is more tolerable, that's for sure. Um, I do like the thing. I mean, I'm kind of an Adam Sandler fan in the sense that he's tried some stuff. It, you know, usually doesn't work. But lately, he's the kind of guy who will just make a movie, put all his friends in it, and, you know, put a fairly minimal effort into the story and the plot and the writing and whatnot, but really just kind of have a good time with his buddies. And that, I mean, as a, you know, kind of like a male fantasy to just kind of hang out with your buddies and have fun all the time. He's really living the dream, and kudos to him for being able to do that, turn his life into basically one giant fantasy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, he did He did fairly well, and, and he's still out there making movies, and he's actually done a few more serious-type roles. Uh, I think Punch Drunk Love was one such. Um, I don't know if there are really many others, but I, I also enjoy, like, Big Daddy and... Um, uh, this might this might surprise a few people, but uh, Fifty First Dates wasn't half bad. <laughs> uh, the Wedding Singer also good. So there's, there's a few good ones in his catalog. But let's get into to Billy Madison a little bit. I know you got some notes. I've got a few notes. So my first thing that I wanted to to fling a volley across to you is your thoughts on the parenting, the enabling that his father uh, permitted Billy to not have to actually achieve anything on his own. So he becomes this worthless drunk idiot uh, who can just walk around and get really hammered and chase imaginary penguins around. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Because as a parent, I'm like, wow, that his dad was a terrible father. <laughs> sure. I completely agree with that. Um, he is absolutely an enabler. This is, this is a case of, you know, too much coddling and love, just unconditional type love where you just you just want your child to be happy and you don't care, you know, or really know how to do it. Um, I see it as a, a reaction from the, the baby boomer generation. The baby boomer generation was brought up with very, in general, of course, this is broad strokes talking, uh, very kind of corporal punishment was okay, kind of strict parenting where you need to do X, Y, and Z and you need to get it done or else you're going to get a whooping or, and I don't, I don't agree with the, the physical violence, but I do agree with the instilling a sense of values and educating your child to how to best engage with the world. And the response to the corporal punishment and the strict parenting of the, the greatest generation or whatever it is, the World War II generation, to the baby boomers, the baby boomers reacted to that saying, no, 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 we're not going to raise our kids like that. And they kind of raised more, I don't know, if you want to call them like, like, like a Billy Madison type. And this, of course, is broad strokes. You can tear this apart any number of, of examples. Like, this isn't what happened in my family. Of course not. I'm talking super generalized. But, yeah, you got these parents that are reacting to this corporal punishment saying, well, I'm not going to do that with my kids. And then you raise kind of like your, your Billy Madison types. And then they, in turn, raise the snowflake generation. So it's, it's kind of gone downhill for the most part. Um, but yeah, this is absolutely terrible parenting. Um, you're not going to, you're essentially enabling by, you know, you get what you want, you, you subsidize, right? You get more of what you subsidize. So if you got this kid who is engaging in super destructive behavior and you're, you're funding it, you're subsidizing all of it, well, then he has no incentive to change his lifestyle. 
the only reason um, he does in the movie is because there's this carrot that's dangled in front of him because the father is actually retiring. And he's like, well, I was going to hand it to you, but you're such a useless piece of crap that I can't do that. And then Sandler's like, well, wait a minute. Here, let me get my life together. Let me get my shit together, and then you can, then you can give it to me. Yeah, and in what actually, universe? At that point, he has an incentive. In what universe is going through government schools, all the grades in you know two weeks each, going to sh- demonstrate that you can run a uh, you know a billion dollar business? You know, sixty one thousand employees and change, and you know I, the premise is of course absurd here. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is a glorification of public schools, <laughs> an absurd glorification, like you just pointed out. Any anyone believing that watching the movie and going, oh, yeah, at the end of the movie, oh, he's totally ready to run this mega corporation. Right, and is this not the same structure that failed him completely, that was a bureaucratic uh, like mess that was able to be bribed and bought to allow him to even get through and, and not be prepared in any respect and to be this you know, walking childlike moron who's, I guess, 27 or 28 years old in this movie? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, com- it's a conflux of terrible things government the inept government schools and the inept parenting although i would say it's the inept parenting is worse because the government schools it's like beating up on a handicapped kid i mean they're terrible and they can't be better but the parenting could absolutely be better um i don't know where the mother is obviously doesn't have one or whatever but the 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 father in this movie who's just putting up with his ridiculous antics and seems to have just completely have no idea how to raise a child. Um, but he could absolutely, with the right incentives, uh, create a much better human being. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and the one thing I wanted to point out to the school bureaucratic system was that it was even um, it was there to be bought, right? It had favors to sell. Uh, they were going to allow him to get through this process of graduating, uh, making it through each grade, and, and eventually graduating totally unprepared for the world. Um, just in exchange for for being bought off. But if you contrast that with a private system where it's actually based on the results or the abilities of the individual, well, then he would never have made it anywhere. And, you know, so there's there's really no way to buy off uh, a private entity because there's really no favoritism to sell uh, when it comes to a political favor and, and a bureaucratic process. And not to mention the fact that a private school will have a reputation that it needs to protect. So they have certain standards that they need to uphold for their graduates. Whereas a public school, psh, what do they care? I mean, the, the only way that they care is by living up to some sort of federal standards in order to get their money. But that's just doled out by the government. So, and that's, you know, that's not following any kind of market mechanism. Yeah, so regarding the, the whole plot of the movie, Brian, the dad, is, is going to give the company to Eric, this conniving, ethically challenged executive vice president. And then he gets tugged on the heartstrings by his son, Billy, and gets that like little hint of nepotism, and he's like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll give my son a chance. Uh, but I still think that that's a, of course, a bad plan. But why was Eric? I mean, of course, it's in the script, right? He has to be the foil to to Billy. But why is he like have to be so shady and conniving, right? Why can't he just like? Why do they make him be this archetype that he's like this evil businessman? Why is he in such a position to be the next in line if he's so terrible, you know, in this hotel chain? Sure. I mean, I could see, yeah, like you said, from the story standpoint, you need a foil to Billy or else there's no story there. Um, But maybe we could talk about, you know, at the very end of the movie, after Billy has gone through the trials, gone through, you know, graduated from each of these grades, and then the 
the evil business guy, um, ex- threatens to expose the wrestler guy. So the wrestler guy, who's the, like the principal of the school, he comes out and says that Billy cheated. And then um, the evil business guy, he, when, when, when Billy challenges him, isn't, isn't this what happened? He challenges him to a, like a decathlon or whatever, the final challenge type thing. And the evil business guy is like, I'm going to sue you because of our prior agreement. As if he would have standing, like he should, because he promised him the company, then he should get the company. But now he's kind of reneging on that promise, right? Because that was the original agreement. Like, if you can do this, Billy, you're going to get the company. But if you don't do it, then I'm going to give the company to this other guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was the arrangement. But then when, he, when, they, when the owner, the dad, he reneges on that, the evil business guy is like, well, I'm going to sue you in court. But he would not have, I mean, I, I know I'm picking apart comedy script (laughs) this is just a futile exercise anyway but in order to have standing i think you would have to show you'd have to show that there were damages right i mean the idea that somebody said they they were going to give you a billion dollars right and then they turned around the next day and said i changed my mind i'm not going to give you a billion dollars you can't sue that guy for a billion dollars now because he hasn't harmed you in any way and there's no like i forget the uh the law term but in order to have standing, you have to show that there was, like, damages made, right? Or that, that there was some sort of equitable trade in the contract. Like, if someone says they're going to give you a billion dollars, then the other, in order for it to be, like, a valid contract, they need to be getting something in return. Not like, well, I promised to give you the moon. Hey, you didn't give me the moon. I'm going to sue you for everything you have. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying, Daniel? Do you want to follow uh, up on this conversation at all, or am I just going off on some weird tangent? You are going off on a weird tangent, which this movie has plenty of, by the way. Do you have any more gum, more gum, more gum? Do you have any oh more gum? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> and his, uh, his little <laughs> dance routine. number in the middle is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, his little dance routine down the stairs after he makes the deal with his dad. That's also very bizarre. Yeah. I think, I think he just had to... He had like 45 minutes of material, and he had to make it 90 minutes to make it a movie. Right. I think that's what happened. But regarding your, um, your legal, legalese definitions, I don't, I'm not really sure. Maybe we need to get Patrick McFarlane of the Liberty Weekly podcast on to maybe talk about this. But I, I think you're, you're referring to possibly offer and acceptance. Like there needs to be something tangible being offered and, and accepted in, in an agreement. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a written contract. There can be verbal contracts. But I was thinking more along the lines of, even if there was a deal that everyone agreed to, and, and even if they had signed contracts that said, hey, Billy's going to pass these things in two weeks, all 12 grades, otherwise Eric gets the company, Eric doesn't have um, any grounds to sue them because he was the one who derailed Billy being able to um, complete it, right? He actively hindered him by bribing the revolting blob. Now, whether that's known or not, it, it, it does become... Um, admitted by the blob, does it not? Yeah, later on, for sure it does. Yeah, so I mean, that would just get thrown out of court. So anyway, it, it's it's crazy and weird, and, and why Eric even bothers with this is, of course, just script, padding the script. Um, but, you know, you, but you could imagine what it would be like, right? I could imagine what it would be like if this was a better written movie. Yes, it's true. <laughs> this is just really, this is the era of vehicle movies where you had a star and they could do a certain thing really well. And so they just kind of built a movie around what you did really well. This is Adam Sandler just kind of being wacky, kind of like what Jim Carrey did in the 90s or what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the 80s, like Commando and all that stuff. They kind of just built a movie around what you specialized in. I mean, that's kind of cashing in on star power. And uh, I think that's kind of gone away for the most part now. It's more uh, 
kind of special effects and director built and driven as opposed to uh, star power driven. I don't know who really goes out to the movies these days to really follow their favorite actors super whole lot these days. But back in the day, that's what the people used to do. You were like an Adam Sandler fan and you went and saw, you know, a bunch of his movies because he really made you laugh. And this is one of those. You know, I wonder if social media has, has impeded that in some way or impacted that because now you hear so many opinions by the people in these movies. And I mean, they're going to upset half the country with whatever they say. And most of them say, you know, some pretty stupid shit. So it's like, well, I'm not going to go see see that movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, you find out that most of the people that you admire their work are kind of like loony lefty type socialists or communists or whatever. And you go, uh, well, that's disappointing. I mean, they're still talented actors and whatnot, but yeah, they're political, which, which seems like they make, they go out of their way to politicize everything they say these days on social media or at like award shows to virtue signal or whatever, and it's just kind of off-putting and kind of disgusting, where they get on, they have a speech about how important they are and how wonderful they are and how they believe in equality and everything, and they're, you know, dressed in $20,000, whatever, at the Oscars. And <laughs> I mean, if they were so interested in equality, wouldn't they, wouldn't they say, well, let's just have, I'm going to donate my salary for my next movie, to the point where I'm making $15 an hour or whatever, wouldn't that be something that they would do if they're super excited about equality? Oh, Doyle rules. Yeah, they're, they're not interested in that. They're interested in uh, virtue signaling, I think. But, yeah. uh, you know, if peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. I'm just going to throw quotes at you now. Um, well, don't, don't go spoiling all my, my quote list here, Daniel, because so okay. far you've spoiled like three of them or four of them. Billy passed the third grade. Oh, what a glorious day. That one? Is that on there? No, no. That was not right. one of them. So let's talk about the, the teacher relationship because it's a little bit interesting because he is hot for teacher. And on the, the uh, field trip, he double dog dares to um, touch her boobs. And at first he says, no, that's assault, brother. And I actually saw someone post a meme like, even Billy Madison knew that this was wrong. That was way back in 1995. Well, what the meme doesn't tell you is he goes ahead and does it anyway. <laughs> yes, he does. And uh, somebody, he goes, will you double dog dare me or you double dare me? And yes, I will. Yeah. And then he blames it on uh, the Chris Farley, uh, you know, damn guy drives like an animal. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, the, the, the teacher is like knows instantly he's lying because she heard the whole thing. Yeah. And she was into it. I mean, of course, it's in the script and all that. But um, the other thing I found interesting is that uh, as soon as he graduates her grade, they start getting it on, you know. Like, they start, like, dating, seeing each other. And I, I just felt that that was a little bit like um, you hear about all these student-teacher relationships every now and again. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, this one is far more, you know, they're probably roughly the same age, uh, but it just reminded me of that. Well, so, this movie is nothing if not fantasy wish fulfillment, and that's another example. He's, he's hot for his teacher, and who hasn't been hot for a teacher? And he gets everything he wants, and he has all the toys, and he's got all the money, and he's the funniest. And, I mean, this is, he's totally a Mary Sue character. I mean, he does kind of have an arc, which is nice. He starts off as this drunk loser douchebag, and he kind of turns into a slightly less of a drunk loser douchebag. So kudos, writers. Yeah, big development there. 
<laughs> you know, the thing I found interesting also about Miss Veronica Vaughn, she's a nice piece of ace, uh, is that she's one of the more violent characters. She physically abuses him in the ear, and then later on during the, uh, you know, he's given up scene, she goes and punches him and then uh, does water polo with him in the, uh, in the pool before they sing about gum. Yeah, her method of problem solving is to violently assault that person. Um, although I don't know how amenable Billy would have been to uh, um, a convincing conversation. I mean, maybe. I would think, I would hope you would be able to be, but he was kind of a wasted drunk dude. Um, maybe not... if you got the penguin to tell him, then it would have worked. <laughs> or put I, mean, I don't know the, why uh... he's with him at all anyway, other than, you know, he's rich. I, I didn't see the appeal to him as a character or as a human being at all. I mean, he's completely immature. He's, I mean, he does the one thing of saying that peeing your pants is cool. And that seemed to turn her entire opinion of him around from, no, I would never date this guy to, oh, yeah, let's get it on. Um, so he had like one redeeming quality. Otherwise, I, I don't know what she sees in him other than Yeah, funny. it must have been just gold digging, right? <laughs> yeah thinking that he has a shot at this thing and so she might as well go for it. I mean, I wonder if it had turned out the other way, if she would have maybe, like, started hitting on uh, Eric. Which one's Eric? Oh, the, the the jerk business guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably yeah. not, you know, but alternate reality. Just some of the weird stuff I think about. Yeah, so do you want to hear my list? Or do you want to talk about how um, the, the movie starts? Or do we, we just want to talk about whatever? Uh, take me where you want to go. Well, I just want to say a quick brief notice that yeah people used to look at nudie magazines because the very beginning of the movie billy's all excited about nudie magazine day but thanks to technology that every day is free nudie magazine day so thanks to capitalism um although well, some of those titles uh, were, were pretty hot though right like uh one of them was she male something very prescient because uh, today that's like totally normal acceptable thing now right 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 and then uh, yeah, i was surprised to see that Women Second over 80, five. I think it was another one. What was that? Women over 80. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice that he's got varying tastes. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's right. unfortunate that the uh, Internet died so recently, so we'll have to go back to that. Oh, with the net neutrality? Yeah, yeah. there's no more porn ever. Actually, I heard the other day that uh, because YouTube has been kicking people off who talk about guns, like gun channels, uh, now they are um, moving towards, I think, Pornhub and setting up channels there uh, as an the alternative. market finds a way, baby. Yeah, so it's like, oh, uh, honey, I'm, I'm there for the gun videos, you know? That's right. <laughs> anyway, carry on, sir. Anyway, well, that's all, that's all I have for that. Um, there's, there really, I didn't have a whole lot of notes for this movie. Um, I thought the Steve Buscemi cameo was really funny. And the funniest time, the funniest thing in the entire movie for me was at the very end with the random principal who, who thought his wife was a dirty tramp. <laughs> so he's talking about this, this, this um, school challenge that these the Billy and Eric are going to do. And then he's like, if anyone's going to cheat, especially my, my, with my wife, who is a dirty, dirty tramp, then I'm going to snap. And I thought that was just a funny misdirect, random line. But then later on when they're doing the Jeopardy-type challenge thing on the board, there's a whole bunch of, uh, like, I married a common street, street tramp or something like that. There's all kinds of funny, like, categories that you could name. So I thought that was uh, that was the funniest thing in the entire movie for me. Um, it didn't it didn't save it from being a, a bad movie, but um, yeah, yeah, at least I got a, I got a laugh or two out of it, so that was good. What yeah. are um, what are what are some of the funny lines for you? You had to have laughed during this movie. 
I did laugh uh, like a goon, and my my wife was just sitting there with me, like, "What the? You know, this is it's such a dumb movie." She hated it, and she's like, "What are you even going to talk about?" And I was like, "Well, I'll probably just end up spouting quotes." Similar to what I did for our last episode, The Big Lebowski, which also had Steve Buscemi. So maybe we're just going to be on a streak of uh, Buscemi movies here. By there the could way, be worse streaks. There could be. He, he's been in some very interesting stuff. But I do want to um, talk about, before we talk about some quotes, the, um, the whole school shooting thing. Because when Eric gets confronted with the question business ethics, you know, he's such a terrible person that he can't answer that question. So instead he pulls a gun and tries to kill Billy. And uh, then the revolting blob knocks him down and then he recovers the gun and tries to shoot Veronica. And then the Buscemi character shoots Eric in the ass. So it's a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. And I think that's something that happened in the, in the school in Maryland not too long ago. Yes, there was another school shooting, but it got stopped by the campus police officer guy who actually went in and neutralized the guy real quick. But if only they had a bucket of rocks, they probably could have stopped it even sooner, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many like, head injuries are we going to hear about with uh, people having buckets of rocks just at the ready um, <laughs> with all of these kids, you know? And then, well, uh, I like how they admit that weapons help defend yourself, but then they're like, well, we're just going to pile up Stone Age technology. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you know, a week ago they were saying, oh, well, it does no good to have another gun to fight someone with a gun. And here right. they, now, now they're using sticks and stones to break their bones, but words will never hurt them. You know, it's pretty and ridiculous. I, it is ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be effective, but what would be more effective is if you could shoot back. Um, yeah, or not yeah, have not have a you know sitting duck zone, free, <laughs> gun free zone. Right. Like, oh, that, that not, sign's going to stop them. And not, yeah, they should have a sign that says you know gun free zone. But we got rocks. <laughs> I got rocks, Joe Rogan. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back back to this movie. So good guy with a gun stops the bad guy with a gun. Uh, so Billy did a good call in his character arc of maturing and realizing that maybe he wasn't such a nice guy back when he was in school. So he calls to apologize to the Steve Buscemi guy. So, you know, that's a nice moment. Nice little vignette there. Oh, yeah, that was my other laugh in the movie was when he originally calls Steve Buscemi to apologize for being a jerk. And he pulls out the Sharpie and he crosses out Billy's name for people. People I'm going to kill. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be like over, overly obvious in, in this type of movie. Yeah. Uh, so what? Let's talk about some of the quotes and some of the characters. Um, I love Chris Farley's character in this, and Norm Macdonald. Uh, just Norm Macdonald's dry wit, and Farley's just like seething anger with dealing with the kids as a bus driver. <laughs> yeah, that those didn't do so much for me. I didn't really fall in love with any of the characters in this movie. Um, maybe I'm too far removed from it, but it really just seemed like a bunch of SNL alums getting together and doing some stuff, which is fine. But I didn't find any of them particularly charming. The kids were all terrible actors. Um, the adults weren't much better. Um, but before we talk about the quotes and the characters that you really liked and that I didn't like, I want to mention that Adam Sandler does say the name of this podcast and that maybe we should steal it for the intro or something. Uh, when he Remember says, when all he... right, boys night out when he's all yeah. Um, super drunk. Yeah, yeah. He goes over to his girlfriend after he's given up and gotten defeated and wants to have her hang out with him, putting dog shit on people's porches. And lights it on fire. Yeah, and she's like, no. And he's like, fine, then boys night out. So, yeah, we should, uh, we should steal that or something. I don't know. Yeah, and to clarify, like, the name of this show is The Last Nighters, but 
the name of our guest appearance show is is Boys Night Out. Yes, it is. This 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 one you're currently listening to is not not what I'm talking about. I'm yeah, sorry. not not to confuse everyone here. All right, so Boys Night Out. We're having a Boys Night Out right now. He called the ship poop. And uh, what else is funny from this? Hmm. Okay, so Eric's every time <laughs> every time I heard a line that I had heard over a hundred times in the past in my life, I wrote it down. So here we go. Here's the list. This is in chronological order. So this isn't necessarily in the most I've ever heard order. But did you fall asleep or did you pass out? <laughs> oh, really, fool? I probably heard that one more than any other. Oh, really, fool is probably number one on the quantity. I think your cousin really likes that one. Yes. Uh, here's a nice piece of shit. <laughs> here's I a say, nice piece of shit. I say that one all the time when uh, I clean the cat box. <laughs> Um, I heard t- t- today, Junior, about a billion times. <laughs> um, O'Doyle rules, of course, like you've already said. Um, you blew it. I heard that one a million times. Uh-huh. Um, now, this one I didn't hear as many times but this is because it's too long, but you said it most recently is you've taken to using the gifts and the whatnots. The, if peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. Um. No, I will not make out with you. Uh, I've got a feeling your whole family's going down. Heard that one about a billion times. And then I want to do the principal speech. Because right, you wrote this down? I wrote it down. Now, now this is a summary of, of the entirety of my content contri- contri- contribution to this show, right? You're going to give me a, a summary review of, of my content right here, right? Correct. So, Mr. Elwood, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone listening to this is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, man, and I just blew it. I should have said, proceed. <laughs> so that, 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 that's genius. It's probably the best written thing in the whole movie. Um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. That's about it for my thoughts on the, uh, the old Billy Madison. But yeah. we can talk about uh, what do you want to what do you want to do? Well, I think that's that pretty much covers it. I mean, you know, the, the, when the clown falls down and dies, and everyone's just laughing, um, I thought that was funny because I'm, you know, fucked up. Uh, but then when they do the song about more gum, he says, "I bet you thought I was dead." <laughs> and he gets up and starts singing. There's just so much craziness in this movie, and like I said, I think it's all just filler to get it up to be a 90-minute movie. But speaking of filler, uh, we're about out of it, and we're approaching the end time of our show, our runtime. So if there's anything else you want to throw out there before we do our final summary and review on the Billy Madison. Uh, no, I just want to say, I mean, we usually do like a tears jerked portion. And I got to say that there was zero tears jerked in this movie. I don't, not that it even really tries to. It, I'm sure maybe if you were like crying laughing. But I think this movie was made for, you know, teenage boys. And I don't know if it would really play well to teenage boys today, but it sure did back when it came out. And in the the years since for those original teenage boys that originally saw it. So, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I was a teenage boy at the time, and, it, and I still, it carries through with me, probably partly for the nostalgia, right? Because I'm not only watching the movie, but I'm also thinking of the thousands of times that, that those lines have been said to me by my friends or myself. You know, so it's right. like conjuring all of those things together. But one thing I did want to talk about before we wind this down is, do you think that the humor that's used in this and the, some of the scenes and some of the things that happen could still be done today? Or would it be like 
Oh, he he's um, making fun of retarded people, or he's sexually assaulting someone, or he's a rapist, or you know whatever. Do you see any of those kind of issues related to um, having watched this movie? Yeah, I don't think this movie could be made, or at least it, you could make it, but it would be different. Um, I mean, really, this movie was like I said, an Adam Sandler vehicle. He was written, he wrote it with another guy, probably in a former SNL guy or somebody he knew, one of his friends probably, and they just kind of had free reign. I mean. But they didn't spend a whole lot of money to make it, and it made, you know, a profit. And so, you know, they just kind of like said, you know, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, today with today's PC culture, uh, you probably couldn't do some of those things. But he does equally dumb things. I mean, he got in trouble for, uh, what was that, that Wild West movie that he did for Netflix? Oh, Ridiculous like a they, they, they said it was like a, a racist joke. But, so More like Borophil. Say what? Chlorophyll, more like Borophil. Right. I mean, this is the level of humor that you get from Adam Sandler. So I don't know why people are expecting him to be of some high standard. Uh, I, he is what he is, and he's, you know, he's made a successful living off being that, so more power to him. Um, you know, if I had the, the ability to appeal to teenage boys, that, that sounds really bad, but <laughs> if I could make a career off of making them laugh, Hey, I'd, I'd, I'd do it too, I suppose. Yeah, he knew what his talents were, and he uh, exploited those talents to benefit the lives of millions of people movie-going and VHS-watching teenagers from back in the day. Right. So, you know, I think that he did a fine job. Um, and the fact that you can throw all this randomness together and just act like a total moron buffoon and still turn almost a triple bagger as far as, like, your cost versus your box office, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine they took a whole lot of time to write or produce this movie. Um, not that he spends a whole lot of time with most of his movies. So the fact that he can kind of do it on the cheap and do it quick and, you know, of middling quality, but enough people will watch it that he's still in business today, more power to him, man. He's he's found his, his niche in the world. And uh, for that fact alone, I guess you could call me a fan, even though I don't, his brand of movie making doesn't, you know, you can be a fan of the person without being a fan of their work, <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah, so let's, let's do your, uh, your final summary review here. Oh, this is one of those you could analyze any number of ways. Um, for old man Robert watching it, this is like a barely pay attention to it kind of a thing. <laughs> this is like a, yeah, like a three and a half or a four. Um, if you're watching it with your nostalgia glasses on and you're, you're a lover of those lines and of those situations and whatnot, you're probably a lot higher than that. Um, if you're a teenage boy today, I, I, I don't imagine he's got the following of the teenage kids today, but they're too busy playing like Fortnite or whatever. I don't know what they're playing these days. But I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's probably, I, I don't know. I, he's got to have an audience, right? got to be somewhere somebody's watching this stuff it can't all just be people who used to like think it was funny um but anyway yeah i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a strong four all right well well done well done strong four i'm gonna go uh obviously the other direction i like this movie quite a bit as an adolescent growing up and so i do have the nostalgia glasses on firmly um my wife like i said when when we were watching she hated it and thought that i was essentially, you know, being a, a buffoon moron for liking it. But I was cracking up during the, you know, like I did during this episode, you know, at, at a lot of the quotes and funny 
scenes in it, even though it is rather bizarre. So because of that and because of the um, toilet humor, sense of humor that I have, I'm going to give this a 6.9 rating. Perfect. It's a perfect rating for the, for the perfect 6.9 movie. So that's going to do it for us on The Last Nighters. You can find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com slash 12. And I will say good night from last night. And continuing the transmission for a bit longer on the Actual Anarchy podcast, and this can be found at actualanarchy.com slash 69, uh, which is, of course, why we did this movie, past 69, because there's that one tiny scene where Miss Vaughn says, open your books to page 69, and Adam Sandler chuckles at it, but the kids don't get it, and that's the joke, and it's, it's hilarious. I love it. It's not that hilarious, but if Daniel loves it, fantastic. More power to you, buddy. Oh, man. So I don't know what else to say about this movie. Um, are there any last thoughts or, or anything else from our conversation that you wanted to cover before we end this entire show? Well, you had initially sold it to me on an economics angle that there would be some things. I mean, there is the idea that the dad, would he really want his son running his company? I mean, wouldn't he just nosedive it? Right. Yeah. Eric makes a good point. Eric makes a very good point. What about the 61,000 employees of, of Madison Hotels when he has the operators speaking gibberish? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have that guy in charge of cleaning the toilets, let alone running the company. Uh, I mean, nepotism is nepotism, but how inept are you as a CEO that you would assign that guy, a guy that you have failed to raise, failed to educate as the head of anything, uh, is beyond me. But of course, it's you know, a dumb comedy script. You can't take these things too seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think is one of our uh, perhaps faults with these movies. Um, one of our guests on, on our Boys Night Out episode was thinking that we were looking too literally at the story and not sort of more accepting of the intention or the philosophy or the nuance behind it. Do you recall that? Sure. I mean, there is a, a point. I mean, like I said in the show, this is really just a vehicle movie. This is an excuse for Adam Sandler to do wacky stuff. And make don't, shit ton of money. Right. And don't think about it too much because who cares? You're probably, if, you're, if you're watching the movie and you're not altered in some sense, you're probably doing it wrong, like I was saying about the last movie, The Big Lebowski. Uh, I was actually stone cold sober for this one. Probably that to the that movie was your dead. first mistake. You blew it. <laughs> I did blow it big time. Um. So, you know, I would, I would probably category this, categorize this in the stoner category, even though there's no real drug use other than alcohol being drank by Billy and his buddies a bunch of times. But the whole level of humor is enhanced, I think, if you are also a bit off-center. Uh, off yeah, yeah, I, I'll grant you that. I think this was a movie that we probably watched late nights after some drinking was involved, um, you know, college days and, and whatnot. And so that, of course, facilitates um, the humor being a little bit funnier. Sure. But, yeah, this is a big big nostalgia fest. I understand it. You know, it's fine. I don't think if you're really going to critically watch a movie like Billy Madison, you're going to show it to some stuffy film critic guy. He's not going to give a positive review. Uh, you know, it, it falls apart if you even glance at the plot. So... You just got to take it as for what it is, which is, you know, just an excuse for Adam Sandler to do. Hopefully you find funny things. Yeah, if do Adam Sandler stuff. Then, yeah, it, it's not going to, the plot isn't going to save it if 
if the comedy, if the humor doesn't hit you. Yeah, and I think that's where that 17% Metacritic came in. Because, yeah, I'm sure critics at the time were like, this is a steaming pile of garbage. But I, I also think that it has achieved like a cult status, at least among my demographic. And, you know, in another 30, 40 years when we've reached old age and, and passed on, um, this movie will probably never be watched again. Yeah, I don't see this as being some sort of a classic that people are going to come back to, that like new generations are going to fall in love with it. I, maybe, maybe I'm that out of touch, I don't get it, but... Um, it's not, you know, same people, same reason people don't go back and look at old, like Buster Keaton movies or, or, um, Three Stooges movies so much anymore. Well, some that people that do. level of humor was big at the time and, you know, it probably carried on for quite a while past its normal lifespan, but I really don't see the kids today getting into that, that old stuff. Well, let's talk about, uh, Another movie that we're going to be doing coming up, I think, and oh. it's going to have a lot of meat on it. Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to be doing a, an Easter-type release, and so we thought it might be appropriate, though not super related other than by the title itself. Uh, we're going to do The Last Supper, which has a little bit of a cult status, cult classic status to it, and it has a lot of meaty, juicy bits that we can um, really dig into, I think, and that should be a fun one. Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there are any sympathetic, sympathetic characters whatsoever. At, in in the by the end of the movie because I, as I recall of course the last time I watched it was when I was a you know like a lefty liberal type guy um, and this is all about lefty liberal progressivism taking to its logical conclusion essentially where you've got these progressives and they invite you know non progressives over to dinner and they kind of decide and figure out that they like killing these people they think these people are the worst people in the world and that they're doing the world a favor by killing people whom, with whom they disagree. Basically, your essential Antifa-type perspective. Now, to be fair, the first one was a self-defense, and then they realized, hey, maybe the world's better off without this person being alive, and then they um, start escalating the, um, their, I don't know, desire to kill people, and so the, the offenses required for them to decide to kill you become smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, the bar keeps getting lower and lower to the point where if anybody has any kind of opinion differing from them is enough to get them killed. And then they, I, I don't know, it's been a million years since I've seen the movie. I mean, do they ever kind of realize that they've become the monsters? Or, I mean, I don't know how the movie ends, so it'll be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I think the, the Pearlman stumps them at the end, you know, spoiler alert. But you'll watch it again um, before we do the show, and, and hopefully our audience will now have a heads up. Hey, watch The Last Supper before, um, before Easter so that we can have you listen to our take on it. Um, without doing the spoilers, and you'll have seen the movie. It's a good plan. I think we should try to do that. Maybe tell our audience, like, hey, what are we, what are we thinking? Even though usually we don't even know, but but maybe we can move that up um, in our you know selection Sunday kind of thing and figure out what movies we're going to be doing so we can actually mention it at the end of our shows. I like that idea a lot. That gives people an idea of what we're going to do next, and maybe they could that could influence their movie watching. And yeah, we I think that's a great idea. All right. It, shall, it is decided. It shall be done. And uh, another thing that we can do is if you guys have any suggestions for us, um, follow us on our uh, Facebook page, actualanarchy.com, oh, uh, facebook.com slash actualanarchy, and give us some suggestions. Or you can write us emails, um, daniel at readrothbard.com or robert at readrothbard.com, or I think also actualanarchy.com works as well. So that's Robert and Daniel, two separate emails. Send us your suggestions. We'd love to hear them. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, let's wind this one down. I uh, appreciate you going down a drunken nostalgia memory lane with me from my adolescence and talking about Billy Madison on the 69th running of the Actual Anarchy podcast. And uh, we'll be doing a little bit of Kathleen, uh, Kathleen Turner Overdrive after this. And you can access that and much more at our uh, Patreon supporting, supporting level, I think $5 a month or more. So do check it out. And I will say good night. Pass the mic to Robert and we'll get out of here. Well, thanks for taking a trip down Nostalgia Lane with us. Um, I don't know if this was a nostalgic movie for you or if this is one of those weird anomalies that, you know, your boyfriend watched or whatever, your, your husband watched when he was a kid and really enjoyed. Um, and you just kind of tolerated like, like Daniel's wife does. Um, I can imagine that that's a whole lot of people. I think people generally tolerate Adam Sandler and his buffoonery and not so much enjoy it. Um, so I had a good time. I actually did. Um, it didn't really reflect in my review, but because I really don't think it's a great movie. But if you did love it, you know, more power to you that you could really enjoy this stuff. Um, it, you got to find things that make you laugh in this world. Otherwise, what's the point? So <laughs> thanks for staying with us. Uh, it's been an honor and a, a white male privilege talking to you tonight. Uh, have a good night. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do